Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe, leave a review, check out our website, learningwithlol.com, or join my mailing list. I'm here to learn and share what I learn. New episodes every Tuesday, new emails every Monday, and I blog on topics that I find fascinating. Today we are joined with Paul Burning, the number one sales associate and employee of the year of 2015 at Formula Tricks. Thank you, Paul, for joining us today. Telling us a little bit about yourself and um, uh, some of the things you're passionate about. Sure. Uh, so, as most recently, uh, I did get married this past August to my beautiful wife. We just uh, got a nice little puppy named Teddy. He's a Peary Doodle. He's about four months old. So most of my day consists of you know hanging out with my family along with work. Um, some of the in- things I have an interest. I'm an avid sports watcher. So I'm a big you know Minnesota Vikings fan, Iowa Hawkeyes. As I uh, as I went to the University of Iowa, uh, I do enjoy college basketball and NBA. So anything sports related. The Olympics are going on now. I've been pretty in tune with uh, keeping up with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a small town outside of Galena, Illinois, and uh, no, you're fine. Uh, and then ended up going to the University of Iowa, where I uh, have a degree in mathematics with a minor in chemistry. Um, how did uh, a degree in mathematics and chemistry, how did that transition to being like number one sales rep person? <laughs> uh, well, it starts about, oh, let's say seven years ago now, six or seven years ago now. Uh, actually, it was, you know, everyone's familiar with the Great Recession of 2008 and I was actually in the middle of my college years then. I graduated in 2011, um, and there was a nice shortage, or not shortage, well, shortage of job opportunities, right? So how I actually got into this industry is um, is a very interesting story in the fact that uh, I was job hunting on Craigslist and uh, came across a recruiter by the name of Francis Bauer, uh, who works for a company called Lab Support. And throughout college, I had worked at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics as a as a clerk in the Department of Pathology. Um, so I did have a little bit of lab experience. However, the company uh, that's most relevant in the area, Integrated DNA Technologies, otherwise known as IDT, doesn't hire people uh, without a degree, without a science degree, right? So I was um, I didn't qualify, even though I had applied there uh, previously. However, a temp position came available. They went through a staffing company called Lab Support, uh, in which Francis was the recruiter and she had posted on Craigslist. And I had met with her at, at a Panera, went through a 30 minute interview. And the next day, uh, she scheduled an interview with, uh, one of the folks at IDT that was hiring for the position. And uh, I signed on to a six month contract, uh, with the, in, with, uh, hopes that it could be extended or that I would get my foot in the door uh, in order to, you know, um, fill another full-time position that they may have available. Uh, so it wasn't something that, you know, I didn't, in all honesty, I didn't go to college thinking, oh, hey, I'm going to work in the biotech industry or, you know, I, I was kind of uh, looking at more of teaching, um, you know, doing something in that realm or just basic high-scale government mathematical analysis. Um, however, it's just it's really interesting and, in, you know, where life and society takes you. Um, 
yeah, so I, I didn't really touch base into the number one sales rep, but that that is how you know I, I came about uh, as far as entering the world. Uh, so after I spent the six months, you know, in the in the uh, contract position, the person that um, I was filling for was actually out on on medical leave, and she was unable to return, unfortunately. Um, and and so they actually offered me that particular position within the company. Uh, so at that time, I was probably, if not one of the only people within the production setting of IDT that did not have a uh, a science degree. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I became to get my introduction within the industry. Looking at it from the inside um how big of a difference is the perception of, of being in a, bi- a biotech company versus like actually like the day-to-day like i imagine there's a big difference but is it possible to talk about some specifics yeah so there's when you look at the biotech industry um or even let's just say research in general right there there are different areas with different intentions right so you have the academic institutions where you know, it's a researcher that's doing something um, specific, working under a PI where they're applying for grants and hope to, you know, maybe develop uh, some new type of research or platform. Right. And then you have the private industry um, where you have the, the larger corporations, uh, you know, like Thermo Scientific being probably one of the biggest ones. Um, Illumina is certainly a, a big name. Uh, in the genomics world and then, you know, obviously the IDTs of the world. And, and these are either publicly owned institutions or privately owned institutions that are offering a product, um, offering a tool that researchers or scientists uh, can use. So within that product, you know, or within those private companies or public companies offering a product, there's even different areas, right? There's the production uh, so the people that are actually making the, uh, let's say like the oligos, right? And then there's also the business side, right? So you have the marketing teams, you have the HR departments, you have the customer care people, uh, you have the lawyers, right? Uh, so even within all of that, though, you still need to have some understanding of, you know, biology and chemistry and what the scientist or researcher is wanting, um, so those business people are are a little more unique than just someone with an MBA, right? They need to understand um, what genomics is and and why people are looking into it and in order to market to them, right? Or or in order to create you know webinars and get discussions going uh, among different researchers. Um, so the area that I started into was very uh, entry level, as you can imagine. Um, where I was on the production floor and I, w- I was actually uh, in a metrology department where I was just verifying and validating uh, instruments, right? So the, the robotics platforms um, that the production sites were using. Uh, so I would, I, I didn't necessarily know much about the genomics aspect and what we were accomplishing on the outside from the researcher standpoint. Um, but I knew the baseline level of, Okay, I'm going to learn how to program this, these things. I'm going to learn how to optimize and I'm going to make sure that whatever's coming out of this is going to be of the highest quality. Uh, and that's really what I grabbed onto within the manufacturing aspect. Um, 
of a privately held company within the biotech industry. So it, it does take a little bit to get a general understanding of how, you know, globally, or let's just say in the U.S., how all of these things work together, because um, it is quite massive and complicated. And I think other industries are certainly like that. Um, but however, you know, uh, when you when you think about or you look at, you know, the priorities among Americans, uh, you know, healthcare being number one, education being number two, um, it does take a certain type of person, you know, uh, aptitude wise to be able to understand um, globally, you know, what is all happening and where are we moving this and, and not just, you know, uh, moving a robot or print, programming a robot to do one simple task over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. When you were first starting out, how did you go about learning, you know, uh, all of that? Like, are there any resources that someone today could like tap into to learn more? Yeah. So that is, that is a very key question. I feel, you know, when you go into a new job or an entry level job, uh, you know, you're given very basic tasks, right? I mean, I was, had, you know, very straightforward procedures I was supposed to do, right? Um, and particularly in this industry, you don't want to stray from those because there's all types of regulations, you know, FDA and, and things like that, that, that people can get in serious trouble for if you're not following, right? So that attention to detail and performing those functions is very critical. Um, however, you know, you, you need to look at it and push the envelope. I think it can really benefit from people to ask why, right? Even if it's just the most basic thing and don't do it in a manner where you're offending someone, right? Um, or like you're trying to, uh, you know, downplay a process that somebody might have worked really hard on because you do need to be thoughtful of the people before you that have put on this time. But that doesn't mean that it can't be improved or that it can't be better. Um, and in order to do that, you need to understand the foundations, right? So even when you're looking at the most basic task, whether it's within a software or, or, um, you know, an actual physical task, you know, understanding the main level of it and tearing it apart and really getting into the ins and outs can just really be in a, be beneficial. And also if you're an intellectual person, it helps, you know, uh, get over the fact that you might be doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you have a general understanding of what it is that you're trying to do, I, I really think that it's going to make your job more enjoyable, um, as well as give you a leg up on, on others. Right. And then once you have, you know, um, the confidence of your superior or, or the person up here, you know, then making suggestions and, and then, you know, moving forward and pushing the envelope like I was talking about earlier. I think that's a, a great way of how to succeed. Now, one thing that a lot of people have a problem with that is that um, you're not paid extra to do all of that. That's going to be something that, you know, you need to perform efficiently within, you know, your allotted time of what it is that your employer is actually paying you to do. So a lot of people... I feel like may have a hard time uh, getting their mind around it. But if you really want to shine and, and, you know, move up, those are the things that are, are going to allow you to do it in the fastest manner. Are there, I think that was a, a great answer. Are there any specific 
types of resources though? Like, I think that's a, a great, like, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing that I really took into in my, my particular example is I really jumped into Excel. Um, I'm a math person, right? So I, you know, surrounded by a ton of biologists and chemists. Uh, one thing that I did have the upper hand on was, uh, was the math behind everything. Right. So I would, crunch a ton of data uh in order to do that i would um you know i needed excel to to help me be as efficient as possible right so i the company you know offered uh lynda.com login name which i went in and and i learned you know how to you know create pivot tables just write basic functions um and then really try to understand you know uh how to interpret data and then you know when i would recommend changes i would have data from the post and the pre or excuse me from the pre the pre run and the post run and i would have compelling information of why to make this change not just oh i think you know this would be compelling so excel was a big one i also i also did um on my own learn uh statistical analysis software called jmp um so in my particular example of what it was I was working in, there were those two types of software and then just using PowerPoint to create visuals, um, particularly in a corporate level, you know, visuals are, you know, a, uh, a major positive. So those were the three resources that I actually used. Um, and then from there, any other equipment that I was working with, I, I got the, the user manuals and, uh, just went ahead and you know dug into them and anything uh that goes along with the why you know i was i was i was wanting to understand the why of what it was that was going on and you'll find that many people might not understand why um so you might need to do it yourself do the digging uh for any of those questions that you may have and and so that's to to save other people's times of you know just sitting there and telling me about the stuff um those were the the main things or the main specifics of you know actual resources that I actually used within IDT. When you would you know find these like source materials, would you make little guides for yourself to as reminders, or would you write it down in a journal, or was it just kind of like memorizing? Like how would you go about retaining the information? Um, so I took it into uh, a practical reality, right? So when I learned something, I would go and do it uh, right then and there, and. Um, actually have it become you know a uh a real life function right i wasn't just reading about it i wasn't doing i actually brought it into practice um not actual production or anything like that but you know just uh seeing it with the excel and the jump i would i would use examples so right away i would once i learned something i would just i would actually perform an example of it that's that's how i learn um is by doing it you know uh doing it often um and and you know kind of learning with the hands-on approach uh but for the the main resources though right this is just the reading right reading so i would i would read and then go and perform the actual functions and just to uh give everybody kind of a, a general sense i don't know if this was a question you had later on but um with all of this work and all of the processes that I changed and, and helped optimize, uh, I actually ended up winning employee of the year, uh, at IDT for 2015. Um, 
So having started as a, a, a temp employee where I got this job um, off of Craigslist, literally, you know, uh, three years later, I was achieving the highest honor uh, that the company had offered. And I didn't even fit any of the prerequisites that they had for hiring their employees. So just, you know, wrapping your mind around that of, of you know, people might think they know what they want, but in all reality, um, you know, you, you never know. You just never know. Right. So and it's always good to be experimental. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and help stand out. Right. And, and, you know, be innovative and especially in this industry, you know, it's the tools have to stay consistent, right? You don't want to mess with the tools because that's, that's how you jeopardize your data integrity. But, you know, um, moving the other aspects forward and better, you know, it's, it's always look at it that way. Uh, it, it will benefit and, and you will get noticed. People will notice if you have the basic understanding of what it is that you're trying to do and you're trying to make changes, even if they're wrong, you know, even if they're not the best, just the fact that you have this basic understanding, people will notice that. Um, now, obviously it helps that if you're moving in the right direction, right. And not, and not backtracking, but don't be afraid to fail, right. Don't be afraid to just destroy something. Right. Um, don't do it intentionally, but do it with good intentions, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's a, a good quote that is uh, the difference between like a, someone who's a master at something and someone who is just beginning is that the master's failed, you know, a thousand times more than the sure. beginner yeah. probably ever will. And like you got you got to fail a lot like to really learn, you know, stuff because you got to got to get back up. And it's like um, just getting back up, you learn a lot. Yep, absolutely. When it, uh, it kind of seems like success was like not assured, like when you first were, were beginning, like, you know, you started from Craigslist as a temp and then you like kind of like geared your way in. Is that, does that tend to be the, the type of like trajectory you've had in your personal life and your professional life? Are you the, the type to like really dig and that's how things work out? Yeah. So I, you know, growing up, I, uh, I would not say that I was had, you know, a foot in the success bucket, right? Or even the network bu bucket. I, I grew up with, you know, a single mom that uh, suffers from several mental disorders, bipolar, schizophrenic, uh, multi-personality disorder. And, you know, I had never met my dad. And I, and I grew up in a town that was built off of, you know, World War II infrastructure during the war. So a lot of it was run down now, you know, when I was growing up and, and you know, drug use and, and not necessarily hard crime, but, um, you know, it just wasn't the recipe for success. Right. And I was the first person in my family. I'm the youngest and I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, you know, so even growing up, you know, I was never really, let's say pushed, you know, uh, from an educational standpoint, but for whatever reason, you know, I, I, I grasped on to, you know, my peers, my classmates that, you know, were doing well and were in athletics and were being involved. And I, I went, I was able to, so to put it into perspective, the, the school I went to was actually the combination of two towns. So you had my town and the, and the other town. Um, and my town was kind of known for what I was explaining earlier. So I, I had, you know, once again, reached out to not reached out, but just whatever latched, latched onto the community. So 
um, to help progress. And I had always, I, I actually hadn't always, you know, done particularly well in school. As a matter of fact, I almost failed, you know, fifth grade just from bad attitude and not wanting to be there. Um, but then by the time, you know, sixth and seventh or middle school came on, you know, I was on an honor roll and, and then I, I really took an interest in, you know, becoming educated and ended up, you know, uh, performing that way all the way through high school. And then I went to college and I was always really good at math and chemistry. And I started out as a clinical laboratory science major at the University of Iowa with a minor in mathematics. And about two semesters in, um, the math was, for whatever reason, uh, more compelling and, and more entertaining to me. So I switched it from a math major then to a chemistry minor. Um, however, I had already started at the hospital, so that's where that experience came from. I was looking to actually, my end goal was to become a, a forensic scientist, you know, the big, uh, TV show days and all the, you know, fun crime scene investigations. Um, so, I mean, my, my personal life, you know, I, I, I can remember packing up my car and leaving for college and my mom looked at me and asked me if, I was sure this is what I wanted to do <laughs> rather than, you know, uh, you know, we're so proud of you or I'm so proud of you, Paul, you know, and, and this is great. Like you're going to do great. It was more or less an eyebrow raise more than a, a smile. But, um, yeah, I knew that it was, you know, the right thing to do and, and what I should do for me, right. Get out of the town and, and go. And so, you know, once I graduated college, though, it was definitely very scary. I had, you know, a ton of student loans paying out of state. Um, if I could do my college education differently now, I might, you know, just from a financial standpoint. Um, cause when you graduate and, you know, I was, a having a college degree, I was actually a CNA, um, for a year and a half before I even actually got that job off Craigslist. Uh, so it was, I, I my whole life, I definitely had to, fight and, and, um, you know, scratch and crawl my way through, uh, before I got that chance at IDT. And I just continued to, you know, put my head down and work and, and, you know, push the button in an industry where it actually made sense before, you know, working at the, um, you know, nursing home, or I was even a math tutor with mathnasium as a part-time job. And then, I even landscaped to try to make more money. So at one point in time, you know, I was working like three jobs or so just to pay all my bills and, and eat and still have somewhat of a social life. Um, so, you know, I, once I finally got into something that was more of a career, you know, uh, in or quote unquote career, right. Um, that's when it really started to pay off and start to pay dividends, even in the entry level position that I've been referencing throughout this but um yeah now since then uh after i won employee of the year with idt um they did promote me to uh, a manufacturing engineer position where i was now overseeing the uh a, a, a new role and not a department but a new area a new um kind of look at how we were doing things there uh and I specialized in liquid handling, right? So moving liquids around essentially for those of you that don't know, but I ended up joining a company, uh, as an account manager 
otherwise known as a sales rep with Formulatrix uh, and they're out of Boston, Massachusetts. So I joined, I left a company that I was basically feeding into the hub. You know, IDT made DNA, they sold DNA. I was working with DNA, but I wasn't certainly synthesizing DNA or doing anything like that. I was working with robotics and laboratory automation. So then I went to a company that that's their whole focus. You know, we make robotics for laboratory automation, uh, specifically in a genetics analysis world. And so I joined uh, that company, which is more or less a startup size. Um, you know, there's about 30 employees in the U.S. And, and I play many hats. So I went from, you know, the more corporate IDT to kind of the more startup uh, feel company. Um, where there's a bunch of us on the bus and we're all wearing several hats and we're all trying to move this bus forward. To me, it's just more, it's, it's more appealing to my personality type in that realm. Um, and then in my first year there, I actually, uh, became the number one sales rep out of, uh, 16 sales reps total. I believe I could be off a couple on that. We have different areas of the company. Um, and certainly the number one in liquid handling. Uh, and I arguably have, quote unquote, the weakest territory being in the Midwest where most of the biotech industry, uh, as you may know, is going to be on the West Coast in the Bay Area or even up in the Cambridge, Boston, Massachusetts area. So I had to, once again, uh, scratch and, and claw my way through. And, you know, I performed the most demos and and you know, was able to wear that crown as of last year for 2017. But here we are in February. It's a new year and uh, continuing to go to work. Um, I think that's a, a, a kind of a very compelling story for people kind of starting out. Like it's, it's, it's never really assured. You make your assurance. Like if you work really, really hard, you know, you got a chance. Like it's not always going to work out, but if you keep working, like it tends to like re- hard work is usually re- uh, rewarded. I found. Yeah. Yes. And if you work smart on top of it, it's, uh, it blows people away. It really does. It's, it's noticed. It's, it's very noticed, right? Um, people will notice hard work. Don't get me wrong. You, they give you a task, especially in an entry level position. You know, they give you a task and you perform that task really well, really efficiently. You don't make mistakes. Um, that is noticed. And then you do it intellectually and make it better. That's, once again, that's the one of the best ways to, you know, success or moving forward within that particular company. So getting to sales rep number one, what do you, what do, you do to stay at that level? Because you you, uh, you got a 2015, if I remember right. Yeah, the employee of the year. Yeah. Uh, yep. So so some things that uh, I personally do or even things that I've done within the last couple of years. And they're going to set the first one's definitely going to sound really silly. Uh but there is an underlying fact in it. But the the first thing that I would do is I would delete your Facebook app on your phone. Uh, now, having said that, there is once I said once again, there's a deeper meaning, right? You only have so much time in your day, and you if you don't dictate or or not dictate, but if you don't um, specifically make use of that time, you will lose it. It'll just go away, right? You will have be at the end of your day and you'll look back and you'll say you know i went to work and i don't really know what else i did right and even when you're at work right um i think with specifically with the younger generation you know staying on top of your time right so 
creating your schedule and just really trying to move yourself forward from an attitude perspective and from a work ethic perspective and then even from a knowledge perspective, I think is very important. So how I do that is I, I do enjoy reading. Now I don't, I don't, um, I never did. I, I, I honestly in high school, I never read a book. I got to college. I read some textbooks. That's about it. But now, you know, I got to the point where I'm, involved heavily with business right so i have uh this this interest in it um and i it's definitely significantly beneficial right so i actually listen to audiobooks uh i don't actually read but anytime i'm in the car uh, i don't i don't really listen to the radio that much i'll i'll plug in my phone and my auxiliary cord and and uh, i'll read particularly right now um, it's more of a business area. So insanely simple by Ken Siegel was actually, uh, one of the more recent reads, uh, entree leadership by Dave Ramsey is another one that I've read this year so far. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it they're just telling stories. And I also, one of the other benefits that I think that I get from an audio book is that when the author's reading it, it really brings a human element to them, right? You, they'll either quit reading and maybe tell a little story outside of the book, um, but you, you get to understand them on a personal level. And I think it's important um, to be able to realize that, you know, uh, everybody's human. Nobody's perfect. And if you can kind of mimic or mirror these success principles that people are doing, they work. And successful people recognize success in, in, in the principles that they're doing. So that's that's really how you become compelling to individuals in society that um that are quote-unquote successful or however you want to determine success whether that's somebody's title whether that's how much money somebody makes right um there's an it factor that even when i'm interviewing folks i look for a a quote-unquote it factor um and it's just this basic understanding that i think that you can really get from you know, reading and, and learning from people. And I think that too many distractions exist now, whether it's Facebook or TV, um, you know, and, and if you're not careful with your time, you'll just lose it, right? Time is our most valuable commodity. So I think that organizing that uh, is certainly how to become, you know, or is one of the most beneficial things that you can do moving forward. And, and if you're just starting out and you want to like really excel, you know, being overly dramatic with your time and like really trying to grow as much as you can. And, and almost to the point where like, you may feel like you're annoying, right? Like stopping somebody that maybe you have a high up VP or director in your company and you just would never in a million years tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, I just want to pick your brain a little bit. Right. And get an understanding, go do that, right. Go learn from them. And, and, and put yourself out there. Right. And, and I'm kind of going on this little tangent here of, of these, all these areas. Um, but I hope that makes sense. Right. So just, just, you know, looking at your time, really evaluating what it is that you're doing with it. And if it's in line with your goals, right. So setting goals, that's a whole nother area that I haven't even, that I didn't even touch on that I should have, but, you know, having an intention of where you want to be and what you want to do. And for me, I'm very financially driven. And so I'm going to use this example, but you know, how much money you want to make and, 
or things you want to buy, right? And you don't necessarily need to know how it's going to happen with your dreams. You just need to know that they're going to become a reality. You'll figure out the how as you go about, but, you know, just keeping, keeping that in sight. And then uh, lastly, um, you know, having a good attitude, you're going to slip and fall. You're going to crash and actually physically you're going to walk out your door and your screen is going to hit you in the, the finger and it's going to cut you. And it's, you're going to have all of these things that like everybody does. Steve Jobs did. Bill Gates does. I mean, Warren Buffett, does. everybody has issues or problems is a common term that people will use, but it's just how you look at them and how you interact with them. Right. And, and understanding that you have the choice to look at these in a positive manner or in a negative manner and how you dictate that choice plays a big impact on your life, right? It's easy to go to work and you might feel like you're not doing anything and it's frustrating, but if you change your attitude around, um, a lot of those other things will, will come, will fall into place as far as, you know, uh, setting the right goals and and all those other things that, that I mentioned there. But, Um, I always think of it, you know, this way that no matter what's going on in my life, uh, there's somebody out there has it a lot worse than I do. And, uh, you know, I should be appreciative for what I have. And, uh, when I find myself slipping or falling, that's, that's what I think about, um, is that, you know, what am I really complaining about here? Um, or, or driving me into negative attitude and it's not worth my time to live my life like this. And, uh, I have a couple little things that I do to, to help me change my mind. And, and one for me is I look in the mirror at the, the person in it, which is 100% of the time always me. Uh, and I challenge that person and, and I, I really take a good look at them and uh, to put things into perspective for myself. Makes sense. Uh, we're coming close to the end. So I have two questions. Um, sure. And it's just uh, whichever one you think would work with the time we have left. How okay. would how would you how would you train someone to be good at sales? And what are some ways that you effectively manage your time? Like, what is your, some of your techniques that you use? Even like maybe give a day example. Like, which one of those uh, makes the most sense time wise? Uh sure. So, um, let's. Oh, I don't. I might be able to ping on both. Let me start with um with sales. So. I started my sales career when I was in college, actually during the summers, I, uh, sold books door to door for a company called the Southwestern company. It's a 100% commissioned, you know, you travel out and live in the East coast for, for three months throughout the summer and you work 80 hours a week and they just essentially teach you how to sell and, and selling at the base level is a transfer of emotion, right? Um, so some things that they always say is, you know, have conviction in your product. Uh, so however that you come to that terms for me, I'm a very technically driven person working in the biotech industry. So, you know, having a, a very good understanding of how this equipment operates is what gives me conviction, what gives me confidence that it can perform the function that I'm trying to sell it to do. Um, the second one is, is once again, having a good attitude with that emotion. So if you're, you know, upset because somebody, you know, peed in your Cheerios and that's the, aura that you're bringing in a sales call or pitch that's what's going to be portrayed people can feel that even though they don't know they can you know they can feel that like they say that if you're talking to somebody and it's feeling really awkward 
if you're feeling really awkward, odds are that they're feeling that as well. You're actually, it's human nature to feel these emotions with each other. Um, but you also have control of those emotions. So, you know, you come in with a positive standpoint, having conviction of your product, it's going to be, uh, that much better of a presentation. The actual roots of it though, um, you know, that's when you actually find a prospect and you get in and you're actually talking to them, you know, from there it's controlling the controllables. So it can be very daunting in sales to think about, okay, I need to sell a million dollars worth of stuff this year. That's the goal that I have for my company or, or whatever. And if you just think about that number all day long, it's going to, it's going to tear you apart. It really is. It really is. You have to bring it down to the most basic level that you can, right? So in order to hit a million dollars, you need so many demonstrations. In order to hit so many demonstrations, you need to have so many interactions. Well, what are interactions? Interactions are emails, they're phone calls, they're walking down the hallway, stopping to say hi to somebody, right? Uh, that didn't even know you were coming, right? So in order to have those interactions though, you have to have names. You have to have people that are actually prospects, right? So focusing on the prospects and then the interactions, right? So uh, it's looking at it at a numbers game, right? So finding prospects, right? Whether it's through LinkedIn or through networking or however it is, maybe you have a database of all of your information, you know, really focusing on that, breaking it down to how many you need to do a day, how many people, how many emails you need to send, how many phone calls you need to send per day right like that's how i go about it but then from there it's working efficiently so when i do contact them what type of marketing material uh or relevant information is going to be specific so that's called tailoring right so if somebody's performing sequencing within their workflow i'm going to talk to them about sequencing it doesn't make sense for me to talk to them about you know some other application um so knowing your audience within that standpoint and then having a good attitude. And then it's really, it, but the, the core of all of that is work. It's going to be putting in the time and actually moving it, um, you know, busting it and just keep going. Many times, uh, when you look at a number one sales rep, it's going to be, they're the most, they're more efficient than everyone else and they're, uh, they work harder than everyone else. So they optimize their time and they probably work, um, just as much, if not more as anyone else which when you optimize it, it appears as more work, right? So those two things together can can really drive success. And then further on down, that's when the positive attitude and, you know, the transfer of emotion and painting a picture, those types of things um, from the sale. Now, back to organizing the time. Right now, I mean, I, I, I'm a Outlook person, right? So I, I schedule things, whether it's even checking email, right? So usually that's the first thing I do in my day. Um, and then the last thing I do in my day is as I check the email, but I try not to get too distracted, right? So even right now, you and I talking about this, my email is closed, right? I feel like a lot of people don't do that, right? It's going to pull up on their phone and it's going to, you know, they're going to hear this little beep or this little chime and that's going to break your focus and it's going to essentially disrupt your efficiency, um, and so that's throughout the workday, right? So just scheduling these things, um, and, and really giving that your 100% undivided attention within, within your time. After that, you know, with my family, um, most of the other time is with my wife and, and, you know, we, we not necessarily plan cause we are kind of spontaneous. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's 
I look at, you know, our love languages for each other and, and, you know, obviously try to gear things towards that. And then, you know, with my dog, we have to do some training for him and, and give him some time, but just having, you can schedule that in if you want. Um, as far as that's concerned, I keep pretty strong mental notes of, you know, my wife gets home, we do dinner, we have a, basically a routine, uh, that, that we have, but it, it keeps, you know, my insanity. And then, you know, once I'm in that time with my wife or, or my family, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm designating or I have all of my attention to what it is that we're talking about. Right. I don't cross bleed, I guess, anything, right. Everything. I, I just try to keep the focus on, um, a singular thing. Well, thank you for answering those questions in, in such detail. I see that we're like, you, you finished right on the minute, which is kind of incredible. Um, <laughs> So you, you, uh, for people listening in, like we had a, a, a time limit because uh, he has other things that he's working on, and he got it right down to the minute. So he he demonstrated, um, and uh, he backed <laughs> up his words with action, which is you know being effective on his time and being mindful of it. Um, I, I want to thank you, uh, Paul, for coming out today. Uh, anyone who has any questions, you know, feel free to forward them on to me, and uh, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll try to get them answered. Yeah, please, and and Lowell, I mean, feel free to. Uh you know, during the the introduction or whatever it is that you have here, um, as far as the information, you know, feel free to, you know, give my name and people can add me on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, any, any questions in networking, right? People, that's, that's one of the things I was just talking about earlier, right? Is, is, you know, networking and things like that. So, you know, poking the people that you feel like would never, aren't interested in talking to you. You never know. Thank you, you for know. listening so today. Please subscribe, leave a review, check out our website, learningwithlowell.com or join my mailing list. I'm here to learn and share what I learn. New episodes every Tuesday, new emails every Monday, and I blog on topics that I find fascinating.